Hey, I'm Dave from Disc Golf Dyers Guild, and you're listening to another episode of Dying to Listen podcast. Today, we have an awesome guest, Jeff from Ninja Disc Golf. If you haven't checked out his work, please do so. Uh, it's pretty sneaky. So let's see uh, what we can learn from Jeff. So, hey, Jeff, welcome. How's it going? Um, first question right out of the gate. What got you into disc dying? Disc dying, I guess, came just from a love of disc golf. Um, we had played for years, um, and I hadn't ever really gotten into disc golf at that point. I had played it just as like a weekend with my friends. Didn't even really understand what the numbers on the disc meant. We just liked to go out and throw and have fun. Played a few different local courses, but nothing. We didn't explore much. Until uh, years later, a friend of mine got into competitive playing, actually joined the PDJ and started playing competitively, got me into doing it. Actually, kind of before that, I, I got U-Disc, like a real U-Disc membership and started like actually going, oh, the, I understand the flight numbers now. I'm going to start seeing how far I can throw and, you know, really learning the game. And then right before we played a B tier, by like while we were playing a B tier, we all stayed at his house and his wife had already been making stuff with cricket and just doing different stencils and stuff. She made me decals for my truck and stuff like that, made us t-shirts. Uh, and she was, she kind of figured out that we could use stencils on the disc and they went and bought some dye. I think we started, they actually think I, they had pro chem to start with, but they also had eye dye poly. And we had the first one I did was shaving cream and I did it on a star firebird and it came out pretty good. I did a shuriken on a star firebird. So what year was that? I wasn't there long ago. It was like 2021 oh, wow. last year. So, so you are a, uh, new, I am new to new to dying for sure yeah only like a year of doing it i was gonna say you're a newbie which i don't want to say that but you're relatively new to disc dying yeah uh i don't want to say newbie because you got some good stuff out there um how long have you been playing disc golf and like what year did you start playing disc golf so disc golf playing started much longer ago. I probably, I don't know the exact year. It was either 2008, 2009. I was in my late 20s, like 28, 29. And uh, I didn't even know friends of mine that played. I, we had been friends for years. We, I was in, I'm into like nerdy hobbies. We played D&D. We played magic, that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know if people have ever seen it. I have a black lotus tattoo. Like, I'm a huge, my, one of my favorite dyes is a magic disc, so. Uh, we just had all these nerdy hobbies and then they got there like you'd play disc golf and I was like no but I'll try it we went out and played and the first couple times I played they had to drag me out through it I really didn't like it I was terrible at it and main reason is still to this day it's kind of true I don't really have a backhand drive just don't have it's not natural to me I've never developed it but the first time I threw a forehand was like the third or fourth time I played and I instantly threw like 200 feet and I was like oh this is how you play disc golf. Now we're on equal playing field. Let's go. But still, we never, I never got into it, like I said, till about 2020, something like that, when my other friends started getting more competitive. And I was like, oh, we're going to play for real now. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, so you've been playing for a while. Have you ever gotten an ace? Yeah, I have one. I have a tournament ace. I have a oh, nice. B, B tier at that same like that same weekend we we're talking about when I learned to disc die. I aced as the final hole of the three round tournament. That's a walk well, off ace of, for the tournament. It's pretty cool. Out of all the places they get your first ace, that's a that's a great place. Yeah. One, you have a lot of people that say, "Hey," or actually saw you get an ace, so it's not just you saying, "Hey, I got an ace." Like I have a documentation. I can go 
show you from the tournaments, you know. So what was your first disc that you've died? So, you know, like the actual disc and the method that you tried dying with. That's the first disc I died. It was just an orange star firebird. It's real basic. We wiped the stamp. I put a stencil on it, and we did like a negative space dye with shaving cream. And I think it was blue. A combination. I think it was a combination of bright blue and some other kind of blue eye dye poly. For your first eye, that actually looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it and looks I threw grungy. It for, a year, for like a year or so afterwards until I lost. I lost it in like February of this year, so I guess I threw it for about six months after I dyed it, something like that. How'd you lose it? I was playing a tournament. I threw it in the water. Ah, uh, okay. I was gonna say I uh, lose most of my discs. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you located? I currently live in Corpus Christi, Texas, or near Corpus Christi, Texas. I'm kind of even more rural, like an hour away, but I have grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and I'm still kind of, like, I still own a house there, but I'm trying to sell it, moved out here because my dad was alone after recently losing my stepmom, so. I was going to say, that was an orange disc, and up here, if you play during fall with an orange disc and the leaves on the ground, good luck finding it. <laughs> right. Well, that's another thing, too. As we got more into dyeing, I think that was a big emphasis for us is we wanted to make our discs easier to find more than anything. That was a big part of it. Like, we don't even care if they look cool, what's going on or bad. We just want to be able to see it. So it started becoming lots of like pinks and yellows and fluorescent colors, just things that popped. Absolutely. Do you remember uh, your second, third, or dyes after that? Yeah, I know like a lot of – like. Uh, let me actually pull some out that are like important to me, I guess. Because there was one, this one was probably like, I'm going to say like my fourth or fifth, something like that. And it was just a stencil dye at first. It was just a black stencil of this Hydra. And then I actually watched the differences doing it video and saw Bobby do these different flame rings. It was like a live thing that he did and he did different messes of flame rings. And I was like, I'm going to add a flame ring to that. And after I made this one, it was kind of the one that made me go, I could do some cool stuff. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. I'm starting to understand how you can do some cool, crazy stuff. So made me kind of believe in myself, you know, when I did that one. And then that magic one, which, let me grab that one too. That one's hanging up though, so it might take me a second to grab it. <sighs> this one's faded a lot though, because that one had two because just they got left out in a hot garage for a while when I was moving. Nice. Yeah, this one I did in December, right before, like I had just started my YouTube channel. And that's kind of how it all started. Like I, when I started dying, I was like, when I started doing that one and I was like, I'm going to start doing some actual dyes videos and put them on YouTube. And most of those weren't all that great. I still got a lot of those, but you know, it was fun. And, uh, when I did this magic one, I wasn't able to make a video for the whole thing. Cause I had moved my lab from out in my tool shed thing that I had started it in to inside. Cause it was getting too cold. All the lotion was like not working with me. The glue was not happy either i don't know in the cold i don't know if you've ever had that problem if the room's cold yeah I i'm first kind of surprised if you're in texas that it gets cold enough to affect that stuff eh, december in like fort worth because it's north texas it's like close to oklahoma so it gets colder there where i live now man it's still right currently it's like 82 degrees outside it was in the <laughs> 90s today so you know it, i don't know how much it's going to cool off here i'm almost in mexico here so yeah, well, as you can see, I'm in long sleeves, and it's pretty cold here. I think it's uh, like a high of 40. Yeah, it's crazy. But you're in, like, what, uh, Wisconsin, right? Yes. Yeah. The uh, Way up state there. that you can experience all four seasons in a week. So I did live in Massachusetts for a year after college. 
there's a whole story there. But long before disc golf. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, but those two discs that you showed, they actually don't look um, as faded as I was expecting them to be. Um, even with like the Texas heat. So what plastic are those on? Um, I think they're both, they're both neutron. Uh, yeah. Cause this one's a hex and this one's a signal. I don't dye a lot of stuff from my own bag. I do have a few, but everything gets sold pretty much. I don't have a lot of discs to show off, you know? Yeah. That's a problem with me is, uh, I have a lot of white discs that could be dyed, but I just don't. And I have to mm-hmm. keep some dyed disc on me. So if someone's, you know, brings up disc dyeing or whatever, I'm like, Oh, here, here's what I can do. Well, so I, I do have like, I do have two in my bag that I do show everybody or a couple in my bag. I show them these two. Usually they'll usually see me throw this felon at least because I throw it a lot. I actually lost this one and it got returned and I made that guy, the Mandalorian disc for returning this one to me. But it's got nice. my logo, my logo, and my taxes on the back. And then same thing. This is my armadillo that I show people all the time. That's awesome. Uh, as you can see, I love doing stencils. That's kind of my thing. I, I I learned a lot from differences doing it, and I kind of emulate. I'm like, I want a full picture. I want a background and a stencil and something cool around the rim. Yeah, uh, stencils are a lot of work, but they are very unique and. Um... I don't know how much you're selling them for, but I still believe that the amount of work that you put into a disc that has a stencil, like the whole shebang, it's a lot of time. And um, what people sell them for is definitely not worth the time you put into it. I hear you. And you almost have to do it just to stay almost competitive because how much do people want to pay for a disc unless they just know what's going on their wall? You know, if they were, Mm -hmm. if they're going to throw it, they're going to be like, you know. Yeah, that's that's why I debate for me, um, just doing it if someone really wants it, because um, it seems like people like die disc. You know, you can throw it in a bed and you still have the stamp, and people like it. Mm-hmm. That's good and all, um, and they'll sell. But I, I want something that is, I don't want to sound pretentious, but a piece of art. <laughs> right. Same here. Like it's because it's a mixture of the two. It really is art that I'm putting a lot of work into that. I'm like, I, I feel like I should be getting paid for it. Cause Hey, I get paid a lot more at my day job. You know, you can't compete with that for the time I spend doing it. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I'm also, I'm not sitting around doing stencil dies and then hoping they sell. Also, that's another thing I don't want to spend a lot of time doing, although they usually do, but same thing i don't feel like i get enough for him anyway because the time i spend into it but i only really do for the most part just custom requests that kind of keeps me busy because it's still my side gig i don't have a lot of time to do it i usually do most of my work on the weekends pretty much so i hate having stencil inventory mainly because they fade and they're not as sharp over time so if you don't yeah. sell something for a year it's it's not as crisp so you know i try to do the die on demand type thing so for your stencil work do you like where do you get your stencils do you draw anything on your own do you do any artwork on your own or where do you get the stuff i do a little bit of my own artwork i mean a lot of it's just kind of just different digital manipulation you know go find an image and then do different things whatever you got to do with it because obviously you get a lot of unfriendly images but i try not like i'm i'm downloading stuff off etsy you know i'm I'm trying to pay an artist wherever I can, Etsy or diff- different art sites that actually have like memberships and stuff like that. Do you have an artistic background or are you just 
learning as you go? It's weird. I don't have an artistic background, but I am a CAD designer. So people think that I'm artistic and I'm like, no, I'm a CAD designer. So it's math. I'm really good at geometry. So that's how I do a lot of this stuff. Like, I don't know if you saw the stained glass one I did. I did a lot of, like, actually did a lot of hand cutting on that stencil. Like, obviously, I had the Gryffindor or the Ravenclaw. It wasn't Gryffindor. It was Ravenclaw. And I used, like, a downloaded image for that. But then I hand cut all the glass sections or whatever. Just different, you know, I use a ruler and a different circles and stuff that I had laying around. Uh, what do you actually do for your day job? That's, I'm a CAD designer. So I draw blueprints. Uh, we design walk-in coolers and freezers. What software do you design in? I use AutoCAD, but we also, uh, over the years, I've used different stuff. I've used Inventor. I've used, uh, or we, uh, we were learning a new one, which used to be, it was going to be SolidWorks, but it was something else. And I can't even remember what it's called now. I recently changed to a diff- different company. I'm back to using AutoCAD now. So, How long have you been doing that? I've been drafting since 2006. Nice. Uh, do you ever get to use those CAD skills outside of just actually doing the CAD stuff? For example, yeah. 3D printing or CNC milling? No, but I've always wondered about doing stuff like that. I, ca- I could. I don't really own any CAD software, so that's a part of it. I can't do a lot of like personal work doing that kind of stuff if I'm going to sell it or whatever. If I actually go get the software, yeah, I could. Uh, and of course, there's CAD software that's free out there that We'll do a job for some stuff, but if you want to do like serious like machine parts or something, you want to do something real. I'd want like SolidWorks or something like that. I've used AutoCAD like my my logo, my little Ninja Disc Golf logo. I use AutoCAD to design that. It was actually my uh, my nephew, which he's actually done some artwork that I've turned into like he's. So I don't know if you've seen that too. I have an event coming up. I'm trying to be a tournament director too. If I have. That's my other aspiration. I want to get into a lot of different aspects of disc golf. So we are awesome. ninja disc golf. We're not just ninja disc dies, you know. Yes. So um, this will be airing on the 28th. On the 29th, I'm running a glow event at a park in Corpus Christi. So we're going to be doing it like that weekend, the 29th. So Saturday before Halloween, we're doing a, a fear of the dark. That's what it's called. So Awesome. What wanted you to be a tournament director or I guess that and getting more into the disc golf community? So I guess that goes more into my disc golf story. We, I, I glanced through that pretty quickly there. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's This is kind of a – hopefully I won't get emotional like trying to tell the story. So whenever I uh, started playing disc golf, I was single at the time. Uh, not long after, about a year, two year and a half, something like that, into playing disc golf, I met the woman I married. Uh, we got married today, actually, in 2013. Today would have been our nine-year anniversary. Um but we actually, things didn't work out between us. We actually ended up getting divorced in 2019. Tragically, a few weeks after that, she was in a car accident and didn't survive. So that's also, she died in October, just a few days ago, October 6th. So um, after she died, that kind of shook me, obviously, for quite a while. I didn't, I wasn't very social other than with my family for a while. And, um, the first time I went to go play disc golf after that with a few friends, I really had one of those experiences that I was like, you lose someone you love and you take a different outlook on life, I guess. For me, it was, you know, I was like, do I want to spend my whole life just being like a corporate job and hopefully I retire and be happy someday? I still don't have a family. You know, I, I got married and things didn't work out. So 
I want to pursue something that I love regardless of how it works out. And I just want to be involved in a disc golf community. Why? Because I love it. And I don't think that I can get involved any other way. I'm not going to be a pro player. I'm not that good. <laughs> no, nowhere near it, you know. So that first game back, I had a really good game. And I kind of felt like, yeah, it was one of those moving moments that kind of made me feel like this is a this is something that I should do more. Like, I really feel like disc golf. And as I got more involved with it, that's when my friends started playing competitively. I started playing competitively. The more I spent time with disc golf, it felt like the more the sport kind of gave back to me. Just made me feel whole again, I guess. Really think that disc golf kind of saved my life after she died. Gave me something to keep going for. That, uh, again, sorry for your loss in that. Um, but I feel like a lot of people have similar stories of how disc golf and disc dying has helped them cope and get through those difficult situations. And it's, um, it's sad to hear, but it's also fascinating to hear how, how disc golf and disc dying has impacted their life. That first ace at, at that tournament was another one of those situations that was like, made me go, I've never won a tournament. Like I've I've only got I think my best finish was either fourth or third. I think it was fourth. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm ever going to win. This is like MA3 to rec, rec league, but I've got an ace, and that made me feel like I belonged. You know, I was like, ha ha. I got I hit the ace pot on that tournament too, so that was pretty cool. So, so after hearing that story, you getting that ace, uh, I feel like is more impressive now. <laughs> But good luck on your tournament director, and um, I would consider that basically giving back to the disc golf community to potentially help somebody else that may be in a similar situation. So mm -hmm. kudos for you for doing that. So how did you come up with your disc name or disc dying name? Ninja is not only like been my nickname, but just like a nickname of randomly that we use with my like little disc golf clan, I guess my three or four best friends that I played disc golf with over the years. Uh, one day, many years ago, we were playing and my, one of my best friends, Kyle, I was actually the best man at his wedding. Uh, we were playing and he was like, man, when you throw those little approach shots, you're barely even trying and you just throw little shurikens right to the goal, man. What is that? And I over the years just kind of slowly got the name Ninja. They'd start saying Ninja whenever I threw. Um, it's also been a nickname I've gotten at work several times at different places I've worked. Uh, as you can see behind me, I have a samurai sword behind me. I've always had an obsession with like oriental weapons and more samurais probably than ninjas, but people don't really, you know, discern that a lot of times. <laughs> Katana's a katana. Yeah. It's a ninja sword, whatever, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, it's always been my thing. I have, I actually got the, I have a, ninja back piece tattoo and i got that even before i started a youtube channel or any of that because it was like that's my nickname it's like my identity i'm just gonna put it on me it's part of me yes um what plastic do you like to dye i mean i am sponsored by lone star disc i do like dyeing their plastic of, of their plastic i really like dyeing alpha and the uh which is kind of like a star plastic it's a rigid premium plastic and I like their glow. I like throwing their glow more than anything. Like that's my favorite plastic of theirs to throw, just the way it feels. It's the it's in between. Like Bravo is their more like a champion, like a more flexible plastic. 
and it's the most overstable it seems like of the three of their plastics and alpha's more flippy flows like a nice compromise between the two and they those two die really well bravo does too but for my style a lot of times i have problems with getting their uh bravo plastic leaves a ghost stamp a lot of times and i usually wipe stamps for stencils so how did you get sponsored with lone star my friend charles got to know tanner uh, gerard which is our team captain he's a pro player and uh he he local that lives in Houston and our friend Charles does too. And Charles has a background of sports anyway. He played a uh, ultimate for like 20 years. He also has done ironically Ninja warrior and he's part of our group too. He like, he's not part of Ninja disc golf. It's me and Troy, but uh, he uh, has his own little thing called pirate Ninja disc golf that he, but he's done a tournament or two too. So it's kind of cool. He's, he's, he dresses a pirate for like the Renaissance fair, which is kind of funny. So he's like the pirate Ninja. He's been on Ninja warrior, but anyway, uh, he got in with them with Lone Star Disc with Tanner and found out about the sponsorship for even for amateurs. And I was like, well, I'm trying to get into disc dyeing about and trying to start like a pro disc dyeing thing. It'd be awesome to get in with a disc manufacturer and just get to know everybody. And not to mention get to know all these pro players and met Chandler briefly. I haven't really met him, met him that much, but Chandler Kramer, I was a big fan right from the start. And before he ever did anything, I told people, it's like, watch that guy. He's all forehand like me. He's, he can throw really far watch him <laughs> yeah that's awesome uh that you're sponsored by them i'm assuming you get some sweet discounts for that so that definitely probably helps with the uh the dying and getting discs for that well i get discounts through them but i don't um so when we buy through them we get a discount through their website so i can get whatever disc i want but i can't pick the color necessarily unless i get glow because like i said i know what glow is going to be it's going to be you know glow plastic but uh, otherwise, if I pick Alpha or Bravo, I don't get to pick the plastic or the color. So a lot of it I still buy aftermarket with them. But I also, like I said, that's how I'm able to run the tournament is having the sponsorship with them. So I have being able to get the wholesale account to run tournaments with them. So to go back to the stencil dyeing, I have a few questions with that. Uh, so as people know, stencils was my first forte into dyeing as well. Um, what machine do you use to uh, cut your stencils? Explore oh. Air 2? Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, it's it's not the maker, which is fine, because just for cutting vinyl, you don't need the maker. Yeah. As I said, whenever uh, we first experimented with it, it, for my first, I don't know, 10 dies probably, it was all dies at my friend's house using their cricket, their vinyl. It was just when I go over there and hang out. Or, and eventually I started like, hey, send me home with some dye, like, Give me a stencil to take home with me. I got some more discs at home I'm going to do. It started slowly coming to my house and then started buying my own. But uh, it wasn't until I bought my own Cricut and then my own turntable that it really kind of took off from there. She already has. She had. I think she has a Maker and also an Explorer Air. So I kind of already knew the differences between stuff. And I was like, for what I'm going to do, I'll just get that. Absolutely. What vinyl do you use currently? So I know you ask everybody this, and I'm like, he's going to think I don't know nothing about vinyl because I really don't. <laughs> um, so I just buy, like, I go on Amazon, and I just get, like, the 12 by 12 pre-cut assorted sheets, that just the different sorted colors. And the only thing I'd say, the only ones I don't like that come in there is the ones that are metallic. I don't know if you saw the Dragon Ball Z disc that I did, the Gohan one. Um, I did that. The vinyl was, like, a metallic finish. It's like I had, a, like, a really glossy, it was like, copper finish or whatever. And when you peeled it, 
it left a lot not only did it leave like your normal adhesive residue but it also left some of the metallic foil behind too and it was like it's not that it did any damage it just took so long to clean up because it left twice the amount of stuff behind so hmm. don't recommend that but, stuff but other than that i've never had any issues that is interesting um did the metallic vinyl have a different uh I want to say consistency compared to other ones. Like, was it thicker? Harder, yeah, it almost stiffer? feels like it has like two layers. Like, it's got like a foil mm -hmm. layer, like sheeting on top of it. Almost like it had like you know gold leaf on it or something. If you want to make your disc temporarily metallic looking, there you go. But don't use it for stencils. Right. For um, weeding, do you weed on the disc or before you put it on the disc? I will all, almost always do it on the disc. Um, depending on the situation, if there's some stuff that I feel like I'm going to have to do some st stuff with a scalpel or I use a scalpel, not an exacto knife, but if I'm going to do some cutting on it, I don't like to do a lot of cutting on the disc. So those areas I'll do first and weed those areas on the mat. So why do you use a scalpel? Um, it's actually came from a differences doing episode where he interviewed apocalypse disc I believe is what it was. And he made a mention of he had a scalpel roll off or exacto knife roll off the table and scalpels don't roll. It's also really cheap. If you just buy a scalpel, like the scalpel itself is not very expensive. And then the blades are super cheap and like you just switch out a blade. It takes like a second to do and they stay sharp for a really long time anyway. So, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think people realize uh, the affordableness of scalpels and actually how freaking sharp they are. <laughs> yeah. Definitely be careful with them. Yeah, respect them, but what's cool that they don't roll. So when I just drop it on my table, I know it's going to roll off. And you know, I have three dogs, so I don't want them rolling off and hitting the dog or something. Absolutely. What is your method for centering a stencil on the disc? A uh, laser pointer hanging from my shelf right here above my table. <laughs> Do you have any special rig for that, or is it just kind of, you know, some tape here and there and... I say I, I use the term that I use my ingenuity to, to rig something up. It's just like a little little piece of two by four I cut off and made a little mountain with a staple. It's hang, the clips hanging on a staple that I put on there. So I feel like I have never seen a good mounting method for people that use lasers. It's just kind of like I'm going to balance on here and tape it or whatever. But I mean, whatever works. As I said a few times, like. It's kind of a partnership. Granted, I'm I'm kind of do the driving force of Ninja Disc Golf and what we do, but I have like a silent partner, Troy, who's like my best friend, who's done all this growth with me. Me and him joined Lone Star together because Charles did, and uh, yeah, he uh, he's when he does his stencils, he's like, yeah, man, I just hang it on the wire that goes between my two light fixtures, and I'm good. And I was like, doesn't it like sway a little bit? He's like, yeah, it's fine. I was like, I, I'm, I'm a, like almost an engineer. I'm way too OCD for that. I'm like, no, it has to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you haven't CAD modeled something up and did something with that. So speaking of that, we'll we'll get to that too. Like, you know, I talk about like how it's Ninja Disc Golf, and I have lots of dreams about stuff I could do in the disc golf industry. It's how much I actually get an opportunity to do is great, but I'd love to invent some things like you know, just different gear that doesn't really or just renovate some gear that we have that could be better but one of the things i always wonder is like why do we use audio equipment to do as our turntables why do, why has no one made like a disc dying turntable yet we just need like a pottery wheel type thing with a and it should have a pre-made you know mount that centers your disc on it and everything variable speed that we can control 
Why do we need audio equipment? What is this? <laughs> well, you know, by all means, go for that. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm not an electronics guy. Trust me, I would have had anything <laughs> about it. But like, that's why I'm saying I'll give that one away. I'm never going to invent that. I just wish someone would. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. It might come out. Um, I think the reason for record players is potentially the accessibility and affordability rather than oh, yeah. designing and building your own thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Although, Got mine on Craigslist. So. Uh, I've had a guest on that built one out of a box fan so that was sun chaser uh oh, yeah so that's that right. was, i remember that yeah i was like all right good on you man uh i'll stick to a record player like i said i mean technically all you need is a just a revolving motor the fact that we're using the record players are nice because it's got that rubber mat basically i mean that keeps your disc once you get it on there because i still don't have any kind of centering jig or anything and i also like i know that you have one that you offer or whatever and i'm like I don't know if it's going to work on mine because I cut that little spindle off. There, there's a little uh, bit of a nub. It's like a little tiny nub left. But it's just like the height of the mat. It just stays right yeah. below the mat. So. Well, regardless, send me your address. I'll send you one, and we'll see if it works. If, if anything, whatever. Speaking of that, I don't know if that's really speaking of that, but what dye methods have you tried to do? Pretty much everything I can think of. I like to just be kind of a jack of all trades and learn it all. I definitely have my favorites. Uh, shaving cream and like glue beds are still like my bread and butter go-to. And I think that's mainly because I don't really like mixing Floetrol and lotion. I'm kind of lazy about that. I, I can mix <laughs> liquid real quick and or I can use powder on shaving cream real quick, whatever. But I do lotion beds. I do flow trawl beds. I've done a, I've done cell beds less than anything. I think I've done like a grand total of like three flow trawl beds. So my friend Troy, the other disc dyer, he's done a lot more flow trawl beds. He's quite more skilled with those than I am. But I'm like the I'm the stencil guy. That's my kind of my go-to thing. So so if someone saw your disc, how would they recognize your disc, or what is your signature method or technique? I don't really know other than I think what I'm kind of expected for now is like full color stencil dyes. Like I always do like some kind of video game or comic book character or something like that. It's all in color. They're not really looking for me doing like a real impressive bed dye. I'm not really known for my bed dyes. I do backgrounds on them usually too, but I mean, that's not my, my thing. It's always been like the hand painting, which I do with acetone. I, eventually I might try I have denatured alcohol and I haven't even started playing with it yet, mainly because I got to get more like containers and stuff for mixing colors just out. <laughs> for your stencils, what do you use uh, for a dye mixture? I'm, I'm going to assume you do hot dip. Yeah, I do a little bit of both. Like 90% of the time I'll do a hot dip, but there's certain times that I might have some kind of reason that I don't want like the whole thing submerged. I don't want all of it to get black exposed. Like, cause even if there's a cut there that you don't weed, you know, it might still leave black there. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you can try glue masking, but a hot dip might wear through the glue. So in those cases, I might do like an acetone painting just on the areas I want black. Like for example, that dragon ball Z, the lightning was outlined in blue. So I didn't mm-hmm. do a hot dip on that so that those areas wouldn't get any black outline on them. Mm. But most of the time I'll do a hot dip just because it's it's not just faster, it's more reliable. You get a, a cleaner, darker black. You don't get any brush marks or anything like that either. So Yeah, that brings up to a good point that you can have a, uh, a stencil on a disc and 
you necessarily don't have to weed a certain part, but anywhere there's a cut line, even if you hot dip, that little, there will still be a little black that goes through that. And I try to design my stencil so that doesn't happen. And I've, I, again, I try to design them like that, but I've never run into the instance where I don't want something like that. But I can see uh, painting it on with acetone or other methods of not hot dipping would help with that. Yeah, you still got to be careful because obviously acetone, like if you've painted with it, it's it's almost like paint with watercolor. It runs real quick. You got it's an art form. Like I definitely, I've I've been kind of like on the Facebook group, and they're like, stop telling people to paint with acetone. Like we don't, <laughs> we don't suggest that. I'm like, hey, I get it. It's 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 permanent. Like as soon as it's on there, you got to realize, be deliberate with it. You can take a little bit off with with some clear acetone right there when you do it. But it's just like I said, I for me, I I have done like. When I, I, I said I don't have an art background. I took art in high school, like one year of art. And the only thing I was really, I liked doing was watercolor. Like I actually did a pretty good, like watercolor of like a nature scene. And they're like, you do pretty good with that medium. And so this is a lot like watercolor to me. And it came very natural. First time I hand painted, which was that magic disc. I was like, okay, this isn't that bad. I could do this. Nice. There's some tricks to it though. Like you get streaks and stuff with acetone. You have to kind of go back and I usually hit it with like some acetopropyl or even more just clear acetone to take the streaks off or something. It's weird. Yeah, acetone is very harsh, and uh, once it's on there, it's it's there. Uh, but yeah, the denatured alcohol helps with that. And uh, one thing that I've noticed, I, I had a stencil, and I wanted to do a spin die with the stencil on there and I was using acetone and the stencil was starting to deteriorate because the acetone was eating the vinyl. Yeah. Uh, you can do it a little bit, but you gotta, yeah, you can't, you can't spend a lot of time hitting that same spot. It's like one or two passes. That's about all you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, w I was spinning it. I was like, boy, this is kind of getting like a weird texture on the vinyl. Yeah, you like, like you realize that you're smear, you're like smear, smearing adhesive with the with the dye and everything. Yeah, I've done that a few times too. It's funny, like you, people start talking about their mistakes, and we, we all have that stuff in common. You're like, yep, yep, I've done that. Like we all seem to screw <laughs> up the same ways. Like, yep, yep, mm -hmm, been there. So speaking of mistakes, do you have uh, any mistakes that stick out to you or fail stories that you like to share? Yeah, so I, I have the, a, a good habit of when I, like, really hate a mistake that I make, I give it to one of my best friends to bag so I, <laughs> I don't have to see it anymore. Uh, I don't even want it in my own bag. Uh, most of my, like, not mistakes, but, like, experiments that came out okay but not fantastic, those end up going in my bag. But, like, I, I had this one. I did a couple. I was really on a kick of doing Magic Disc after I did that one, and I had a much more complex stencil that, I don't know if you know magic, but there's five colors, and this one had, like, all the different guilds on top of those symbols. So it had, I don't know, it had, like, 20-something symbols on there all together. And uh, then it had all this webbing in between it. It was, like, this awesome stencil that took me, like, hours and hours to weed. And I did, I did it, then I hand-painted all the symbols, and this is, when, like, like, only my second hand-painting. And so some of it was cool, some of it was eh. But overall, it was really cool. Then I had this idea that I was going to put, like uh, – the clear worm dip in between all the webbing, which obviously at that point is probably too late. I probably should have done that to start with because you're going to start making the black bleed. And I started to do that and I was like, I don't know why this knew better, but I tried it anyway. I tried pouring the worm dip on it and that just everything ran. 
And I was like, I was so, I was so mad. I was like, I should have just been happy with it. It was a masterpiece. Leave it alone, Jeff. <laughs> I got greedy and I just gave it to my friend, Michael. I was like, Michael, just bag it. Just, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I think he still got it though. Yeah. Well, you know, you give it to your friends, but you still see your friends. So you still see the discs every once in a while. Yeah. He doesn't play as often uh, as, and like, so since I moved, I don't play with a lot of the same people anymore. I'm living in Corpus Christi now, so I have a whole group of people here that I play with down here. Like, I play a league, so. I'm actually wearing this guy's shirt. This guy that plays our league did the design for this shirt for Lazy Beach Brewery. Awesome. Adam Johnson, he's a local artist, so. Have you ever worked with other local artists to get unique stencil designs? Uh, I haven't really like that's definitely a thought though and also kind of keep n- nudging my nephew because like I said my nephew Logan he designed like the logo that I use now like I don't like my very first dot disc that I ever sold had a different logo on it that I paid some guy online like $40 to design me a quick logo and it was like a shuriken flying into a basket and I use I put that on one disc and then I sold that disc and then my nephew gave me the concept art for that current logo it didn't have the chains but it basically was the same thing the shuriken the mask and then a circle and i end up drawing it in autocad and adding and changing that to chains and then adding the words and i was like we have a winner so he's also done a, a, the artwork for my event that's coming up and it's yeah he just it's just like a painting he did real or a mark he did it with markers it kind of looks like a painting but yeah he's a really good artist and i'm always like just need to learn how to make your work digital <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to work with a local tattoo artist to do a series of stencils because, man, those tattoo artists can draw some pretty wicked stuff, and I thought that would be awesome uh, stencil series for that. So I have, let me see, I have calf, calf, sleeve, chest, and back piece. So that's like five tattoos, I guess, technically. They're all done by one person. But on this back piece, I, t- I went to uh, an artist in Fort Worth that I know his name is Michael Malone, and he actually does artwork for Innova as well. He's been doing that for, I want to say, like two years now because the local shop, which is right down the street from his tattoo shop, who, the guy goes there to get tattoos, the guy that runs the local shop, you know, was like, hey, man, I need some artwork for some of my tournaments that I ran. And from there, he, he started doing artwork for Innova. And I for that I went to him because I want him to finish up my back piece. I'm like, you're a disc golf artist. That's perfect. It's already a disc golf art piece. So, you know. Uh, and speaking of art, okay, I should really try to stop doing these transitions and segues. Um, so after you're done doing your stencil, how do you uh, finish it with the color or how do you add the color to it? So I'm acetone hand painting. So acetone and whatever I dye, poly, I dye, uh, or a Pro-Chem, or I, a lot of times I use Worm Dip, too. So those are the three things that I'm always using. I don't use a whole lot of iDye Poly, just a couple colors. Like, that's the only black I use is iDye Black, and I use iDye Brown, because there's not, I haven't found a really good brown for Pro-Chem. There's, like, some brownish or, yellows, basically, like, but, or, like, a orangish brown, but there's not, like, a true brown. Even iDye Brown is kind of greenish. Like, I mix, I mix iDye Brown and some kind of red or orange to get, like, a true brown. Do you have any favorite colors that you like to use for dyes? Uh, my favorite color is blue, so I like a lot of the Pro Chem blues. I like Sonic Blue a lot. I like uh, 
like Caribbean, but only for certain purposes. Like I don't really like hand painting with Caribbean. It doesn't seem to pop as well, but I like it for glue beds and I like it for some spin dyeing is also kind of faint, but for certain reasons, I like Caribbean. I like using uh, worm dip fluorescent colors a lot because I had it. I have an issue with using again, since I use a lot of liquid, I don't the pro chem neon colors like neon cerise pink and the different that six pack that you can get. Um, they don't really, they're great for lotion. They're great for Floetrol. I've had great success with them, but when I try to mix them with acetone, they don't, they don't seem to work at all. They stay very powdery. They leave a lot of residue behind and they don't want to soak into the plastic. Well, do you have any, uh, recipes that you use for your mixtures? I'm also kind of like happy trees there. I kind of just know, <laughs> like, it's just almost like cooking or something, especially when you're working with acetone. The whole thing is acetone's constantly evaporating anyway. So as long as there's powder in there, even when it like crystallizes, you can just kind of add some acetone back and mix it up and get it to come back to life. You just, if you can see the acetone changing colors, you know that it's going to work. So uh, I don't have an exact amount, but when it starts to get faint, I'll add more powder. When it starts to get too heavy, I'll add more acetone. One thing that I've experimented with is I've did uh, two mixtures. I did a mixture of just the uh, acetone and powder, the, the Prochem powder. I can't remember the specific ratios, but then I did the another mixture of the acetone and powder and water, and I used near boiling water and I mixed the dye in with it, and that helps uh, dissolve the dye. And I found. I've gotten way better saturation when I have the water in the mix rather than just straight acetone. Makes sense. Yeah, especially just heat in general. Anytime you can use, especially a hot liquid, seems to do magic with dye. It's definitely a... And I believe the dye is water-soluble, so that's yeah. why you know it helps dissolve the dye. And it Because uh, the acetone, certain dyes definitely do not like to dissolve in the acetone. Mm -hmm. um, as much as some others, which I kind of find fascinating, actually. Like I said, um, I mean, I, if I try to give exact amounts, that's the whole thing. People are like, well, how much do you acetone you mix? I'm like, it, it kind of depends on the powder because some of those powders like really clumpy and some of them are like super like, like sand already. You don't even need to do anything. They're already mixed, basically. They're so fine. I found that I dye poly seems to be more of a better consistency that I like, less clumpy, where certain pro cam, um, clumps more than um the eye dive that i've had i don't know if you had a similar experience it's hard to say because i haven't had a lot of different eye dye colors that i've used the only i still have every eye dye color that i've used i use eye dye black eye dye brown green crimson i think that's it I think it's just those four colors that I've used. Most I have so many pro chem colors I can't even tell you, but and then I have probably about eight or nine colors of worm dip. I also have Rit dye, the the evil stepchild in the room. Um, and I will say this: I even talk about it on some on the Facebook comments sometimes. You know, uh, it's bad and good, man. I, I would definitely say if you're starting, I would just avoid it. It's just weird. It's it doesn't mix well. It doesn't perform like you expect it to. It does weird things and doesn't always saturate real well. Uh, the only thing I really use it for, the reason I still have some, is because I can do a color hot dip 
a non-black hot dip. I just put like a, a heat lamp on it or something. I don't really, because I keep my black in a skillet. Like I don't want to, I don't mix new hot dips or anything. I just do black. So if I'm doing that, I'll just get one of my pie pans that I use for a glue bed or whatever, and I'll pour the writ in it and just float it with the uh, heat lamp right over the bed. It just, it takes longer. It's not like, it's not like a regular hot dip. It take, doesn't take 10 minutes. It might take like four hours or something like that, but you can get a solid color. That's about the only thing. That's it. That's really all I use writ for. That's all I advise even. Like if you try spit dyeing with it. I got a brown uh, writ because I couldn't find a good brown until I found the eye dye stuff. And I've never used it, but I still have it. So um, it'll just be decoration. <laughs> that uh, that magic disc was that the background is just sandstone. I think it's the color writ dye. It was just done like that, like a hot dip. That's one thing that I want to do is different color hot dips, but I'm lazy and I don't want to create a new mixture, clean out the pan if I have to change the colors. So, uh, so yeah, basically. But that's my that's my point about Rit Dye is because I get mm -hmm. that a, a hot dip would be better if I use ProChem or something. I totally agree and you should. But the reason I use Rit is because I don't have to use any powder or anything. It's already mixed. I don't have to do anything. I just pour it in. When I'm done, I take like one of my syringes or whatever and I just pump it all back in there. Or I could use a, a funnel or whatever. A funnel would be smarter and more efficient. But I'm kind of <laughs> using, I'm, I'm like, I would pouring it out of a pie pan. So I don't know. I'd make a mess probably. So uh, easy for an accident. Yeah. Do you have any specific temperatures that you use for one, your skillet? Uh, and two for really anything else and how to how do you heat your hot dip and other methods like my beds um yeah. so the hot dip is a like a a skillet uh iron skillet whatever not iron but an electric skillet uh that i've just bought from walmart or something it's like 20 bucks um and it has settings on it, like the lowest temperature setting says 200, but I say that's like way too hot for a hot dip. It's And then it has like a section that's warm, and there's like, there's variables areas between the warm. So I turn it down to like the lowest area of the one, of the warm. I think I'm going for about maybe 120. I don't exactly use temperature though, but if it gets steamy, I'm fine with that. But if I see it like starting to boil at all, like that's, yeah, that's way too hot. Don't even... Don't even, that's just going to warp your disc. I got a skillet because I wanted to do what you're doing. Um, either I must have got a crappy one or a cheap one, which I probably did. But I've noticed even on the lowest setting, it, it was a decent temperature, but the heating element was basically a ring and the dye, I think, was actually burning on that part. So I was getting these weird flakes either you know burnt dye flakes or i don't know if it was the non-stick coating coming up or something like that um and my hot dips i felt like were degrading in quality because i was getting all these weird so uh, particles on there let me ask this did it leave like a like a copperish color on some on top of the black sometimes when it's doing that yes, yes. so my mine was doing that too and i even asked because again a big idol of mine, my mentor, I like to say, is Bobby from The Difference is Doing It. A lot of people learn from him. I learn most everything from watching his videos. That's how I learned how to mix hot dips was watching one of his videos. And I, I messaged him about that. I was like, I'm getting this copper stuff on my on my hot dips now. And it's been, you know, I've probably done about 10, 10 discs with it. And he's like, so you probably just need to, like, refresh it. Just add more black 
dye to it. So basically when I start seeing those flecks in there, I just, I just add more black dye. I make sure the water level kind of stays at that same because water evaporates over time too, you know, especially mm. when you, I don't leave the lid on while I'm doing it because I'm paranoid about like it dripping down onto my disc from the condensation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, a lot of it evaporates while I'm doing that. So I, I'm using a stainless steel pan now for that, but uh, it's good to know that I'm not alone. And if anybody else runs into that issue, which I'm sure people have, um, kind of have an answer for that. So sweet. Yeah. And you might be right too. Like you might be losing some of the nonstick coating on it. Like mine doesn't have like the ring thing, the heating element type thing that you're talking about. It's got like the plug in like long steel thing that plugs into the base of the skillet and then it's just mm-hmm. a metal nonstick skillet whatever that heats up but it, yeah. it does like i said it does kind of leave like it leaves some rings or whatever like after it's been sitting a while like calcium rings or something like your bathtub would do or whatever but i don't think it was the nonstick coating because when it first started happening i'm like okay well what the hell is this i'm going to start fresh did i mess up the mixture or something like that and when i dumped everything out i i feel like just that heating element since it's a shitty skillet, it's just that one concentrated spot of heat and the dye must have been like burning on there because um, I could feel it raised above there. So I'm, again, assuming the dye was on there. So I had to like swash it out with acetone and it kind of got it most of it off. But yeah. Hmm. So you also spin dye. Do, uh, I guess, what mixtures do you use with that and what tools do you use to apply the dye to the disc while you spin same thing basically i'm still using acetone mixtures again i i want to start experimenting with denatured alcohol because i definitely feel like you definitely get a more you can control it more you got more subtlety the color doesn't set in so immediately so i definitely want to start playing with it but it just comes down to i got to order more containers and mix up more colors i just haven't done that yet um and I kind of find a place to store them. I always, it's, it's ever growing. <laughs> the dye lab's constantly growing. Um, but yeah, I'm either using worm dip or an acetone mix, brochem or a dye poly. I use worm dip a lot, especially for spin dyeing, because like I said before, like that's a big thing for me. Like me and my friends, when we first started disc dyeing, before we even thought about like selling our dyes or making anything really artistic, we were like, we just want our disc to be easy to see, man. We want neon colors. We want to be bright, especially when we started playing night golf too. We didn't we didn't always have glow discs, but we put the neon colors on there. We had our little flashlights so we could see our spin dyed ring on there. You know. What do you use to apply the dye to the disc? Oh, um, I'm using paint brushes or I'm using Q-tips. Need a little bit of both. I always do my blending and stuff if I'm doing a fade with Q-tips. Have you ever tried the fine tip? q-tips that have no nice on but them. i always see td to use it i mean i want some i just have regular yeah. walmart dollar store q-tips you know i like the q-tips because they're uh cheap and disposable rather mm-hmm. than paintbrushes and i don't have to worry about cleaning them and i wanted to have like really fine lines and i found these uh fine tip q-tips on amazon so uh dude just spend a few bucks you'll you'll thank me later <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah. Send me the link for sure. Because I use Q-tips uh, of all like 
I talk about, like, I used to make YouTube videos a lot more, but I've talked about that in some of my YouTube videos. Like, I try to be green and use as much reusable stuff as I can. Like, I mix all my, when I'm hand painting, I mix a lot of colors to get just the right color to going for skin tone or something as I'm going. And I'll use shot glasses because I can just wash them out when I'm done. It's something I can reuse and not be throwing stuff away all the time. But at the same time, Q-tips are great. And, uh, yeah, paintbrushes, I usually end up, like, just getting lazy and like washing them once a week they kind of build up i just have them like sitting on a paper towel and then finally at the end of the week i'm like okay i guess i'll rinse out all these and what is your must-have dye accessory that you cannot live without this was like the hardest question when i've when been watching all the other ones i'm like there's no way i can name one thing um there's so like there's so many tools in this little room that i i need to have and I think the two biggest things, especially for me when I was like, I want to just die for real, like going from I just played around with my friend's stuff to now I'm really going to do this and I'm going to start selling this or whatever. I had to get a turntable. I had to get a cricket. Those are two or a stencil cutter, you know, whatever your mm-hmm. machine of choice may be. Um, so those are two major things. But I jokingly say these two things I need, like it's a joke, but also kind of real. Like this is a engineer's scale or architect scale. A ruler, whatever, a straight edge, but mm-hmm. it's it just kind of goes to show like my background. Like I do everything with precision. I measure my disc always. I'm always like marking the centers perfectly and everything. So everything's very precise. I'll use this to hand cut if I'm going to draw stuff or whatever. And my other thing that I use a lot, like here's my first one that I finally decided to retire. My uh, throwaway disc mm-hmm. that I, as I'm mixing, I test my colors on constantly. I always have to have like a throwaway disc. To, this is my new one. Where is your dye lab setup located? It's kind of weird. Like as I've said before, I recently relocated to come up here, down here at Corpus Christi, where my dad lives. Um, so at first, I set up in our uh, like den upstairs, which is over there. This was the master bedroom, but no one's really using that. He sleeps in the other actually about the same size bedroom downstairs and i sleep in the bedroom over there so i was like let's just turn this and it's also got a sink right here and a bathroom right here so it made sense it was an area that no one really had to use it was it made it made the most sense for the place in the house so i'm slowly kind of turning it into a dial lab and maybe make videos again eventually so do you have a weirdest commission or most interesting commission that you've done to date? Um, I think the weirdest one, and it was kind of cool, and it's something I actually still want to do another stab at it. Uh, this guy named Red's Arbor Care, he, that's like his business name. He's, a, I guess, a tree service guy. Um, he asked me to do what looked like, make the disc look like a, a sawn-off piece of timber, right? So I was like, okay, so you're going to see the exposed rings and everything and see like the bark ring on the outside. And then he's like, he he wants the word send it and like emblazoned on it. Like it was branded in. I was like, I really love the idea. Not sure how I'm going to do it. I'll get back to you. It took me like two or three weeks. Like I was, as I was doing other jobs, I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this with like a, like the the glue bed with rings as I expanded it. And that's kind of what I did like a brown ring like yellow ring then like an orange ring it came out like a little too orange than i wanted it but it got the general idea and i still kind of want to try something different i'm thinking about doing like a glue mask spin die and as long as i do the glue masking with my own and maybe do it with make them in perfect circles you know and then go over i might do a better 
might look more like tree rings that way. That is a very interesting challenge. And I like your thought process with that. You know, with the glue bed and doing the rings for them to expand out, that makes a lot of sense as well. Uh, the glue masking, that can also make sense as well. Um, another idea to consider is using a tack sponge. So um, I don't know if you ever saw um, This Is How I Die. Mm -hmm. uh, she has that signature technique where you can get that. Um, it's a lot easier with like the, you know, vertical wood grain to get that look. But yeah, I'll consider that. As the, yeah, so the, some stuff. I do that vertical wood grain. I kind of learned the same thing from watching her video. Again, like when I first got into this, I can't really emphasize enough. Like I went and watched probably all four years of T Diddy's videos. Like every one of the like other basement disc tires he's he's had on there, I'm like I watched theirs and became like okay, I followed what they did. I kind of understood their methods. I've definitely learned from just about everybody I can. And speaking of learning, I know you said you learned a lot from Bobby from the differences doing it. Um, what other resources or places did you learn from or get your information from? So it's it has built mostly been just various YouTube sources. It, most of it was him, but like I actually wrote some of these down because I'll do what forget. From like you said, Kateri from This Is How I Die. That's how I learned how to do the wood grain. Uh, Dis dies by Emily. Her uh, start like not starfish. That's not what it's called. Uh, sand dollar that little uh, ring pattern that she does, the concentric circles with the glue bed. I use that a lot. I don't really do sand dollars, but I've done different things. Like I've done a spade, I've done a heart. I just shape that into different things. I did that Dragon Ball Z like that. And again, the tree rings, you know, I've done, I've done that a lot based on hers. Um, Apocalypse Disc Die and Faulty Feet. I've watched both of their videos to learn some tricks of the trade of like how to, what to do with inside some of the, programs like inside cricket design and inside inkscape photo p stuff like that and glow butter it was one of the first ones i saw too he was actually the one that we learned how we watched i think in the very beginning even before t diddy to learn how to do shaving cream beds it's the very beginning i think of i remember this. watching one of his videos yeah awesome. it was pretty basic but it was it was mm -hmm. entertaining video he's he's got a good sense of humor yes um, are there any other dire artists that have inspired you? Well, I've said them about, I don't know how many times, Bobby from T Diddy, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, Keith and Chris from, you know, uh, com. Keith is amazing. Daddy Mac, that guy's amazing. Daddy Mac amazes me that he can, uh, he really can do it all. Like he can pump out these like amazing glue beds, which is like clockwork but also he can do this amazing stencil work too that you're just like i'm so jealous of you and you can throw 400 feet huh i bet you can <laughs> um uh this guy jl dies do you are you familiar with him i think his name's mm -hmm. jason larson or something like that or justin larson i think he's like the king of pinwheel spins i'm obsessed with his stuff i bought a couple of his dies off of ideal disc auction which was one of my favorite like dealers in fort worth um, I'm excited. I actually am going to have him as a guest. Awesome. I'm excited for that one, too. Um, you already had LittleBot on here, which I, I won his auction disc. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I learned a lot. I still haven't even done a chameleon sale yet since I watched his die but or watched his video, but I learned how to do that from his video, and I went and bought the 3-in-1 silicone. I just haven't played with it yet. I'm going to. Nice. So. <laughs> um, 
Functional, that uh, Jay Kennedy guy, he's pretty awesome. Jory Slide Eyes, I really like your stuff too. Like I, I remember first thing I saw of yours was that uh, what was it the uh, Trash Panda contest mm. with that uh, Earth Day contest with that island, that little mm-hmm. nine hole on the Yin Yang Island. That was such a creative, clever idea. I love that. I was like, that is so awesome. So you know, you have a uh, silent partner. I do as well. Um, and he actually is the one that came up with that idea. I'm like, that's a stupid idea. Then, ta-da, here we are, where it is. I just think that's so clever. I don't know. Um, so I, I named off, like, that was a lot of my big influences. Um, shout out to a couple, like, local guys I know. Uh, Eccentric Crow, uh, Clayton Malcolm Crow. He's in uh, Fort Worth. He's cool. Really does really good work. He's really good at sales. Um, C4, he's another Corpus Christi guy. Uh, does really awesome work too. Uh, Forrest Coy with I think it's it's either Grumps or Grumpy's Distice. He's on Team Lone Star and he's also got the cover for the Facebook group for October right now. That uh, skull on that glow disc. And uh, Sam Coakley and Chris Barr, are another two guys that are like I'm, I love those guys work and they're also on Team Lone Star. Uh, for you listening, I would highly recommend going checking out everybody that Jeff listed. Um, because, you know, everybody has their own style and produce their own great, amazing work. Are there any tips or tricks you would like to impart your wisdom on to your fellow dyers? I would definitely, like, I could help people a lot with, like, centering the discs and stuff like that. But I think that I would, more than anything, I'd probably just point them in the direction of some of the videos that I said. Because I think they did a better job. Like, uh, that Faulty Feet one made that thing for centering in cricket design space it was just based on if you make like an 11 and a half inch square that is just like a it's like you do it with a pen so it doesn't even cut and it's just there you center everything on that it's just the size of the paper or the size of the the mat perfectly and you don't even have it takes all the guesswork out it's pretty nice to do that um that helped me a lot um using the laser pointer i, I don't know how else to do it i don't know how other people center that's how only way I couldn't live without it. Um, whenever uh, putting stencils on, it's it's kind of a especially when you get like a, a domey disc. That's definitely a little bit of an art form. Uh, it you always want to work from the center out and kind of that way because if you end up doing like all the way down, you're going to end up getting a crease as you come around. And crease equals bleed pretty much almost ninety nine percent of the time. So. A big thing I do, too, is heating the vinyl before I dye it, before I hot dip it. Um, basically, I use a hair dryer, but I've also heard a lot of people do the, like, just do, like, a hot water hot dip without any dye in it. Either way, it works fine to me. Like, the reason I use a hair dryer is just because it's one less thing I have to clean up later or whatever. It's just I don't have to get the disc wet and fill up a thing with water or whatever. But you definitely don't – you be careful with the hair dryer. Don't spend too much time at one spot and melt your disc, obviously. Don't get that. I put it on like the lowest heat setting too when I do it. So, but getting that vinyl hot does it. It makes it stretchy, so you can get out all your wrinkles and your air pockets. But it also does another thing too because it gets all the adhesive gooey, which has like it's like a double-edged sword. It'll it'll take away a lot of your. It'll fill in all your gaps and your stamps and everything, so you don't get bleeds. But it's gonna be that much harder to clean off later. So. Yeah. Have you had issues with a lot of residue adhesive? 
Yeah, it's kind of a ongoing thing where I'm trying to decide what the best way to clean it up is. I Sometimes I use Goo Gone. I don't get real aggressive with that though until I kind of, like, I'll go clean the disc with soap and water first, like, lightly to, so the dye. There's something about, like, I feel like, like, right after I spin dye it, right after I hand paint, like, a certain couple of colors, I'll go wash the disc off. I do that a lot just because I feel like, especially with cold water, because that kind of, it just kind of stops the process and seals everything, and it, it makes it to where you're not going to run those colors if you get too close to them or something. There's a few things. Um... I've noticed the brand of vinyl uh, determines how much goop is left and um, uh, the time that you take the vinyl off after you hot dip it. So what I've found that I've explained before is if you do it right after you hot dip and it's still warm, you're going to get a lot of residue. But if you let the vinyl cool down, uh, it helps tremendously. And I just recorded an episode with Delicious Discs and he puts his in the freezer. Yeah, yeah it's, give that it's, dry. it's so cool that, like, the more you play with it, you learn that, yeah, heat and cold do amazing things to die. Like, this, the cold just stops it. Like, if you're wanting it to just, you know, not do anything else, and the heat, of course, activates everything. It's kind of cool. If you were to start this dying over again, is there anything you would do differently knowing what you know now? I don't think so. I mean... I, I can't say anything about disc dying. Like I, I, I regret, yeah, I've made some mistakes, but I don't, I don't haven't made anything that made me go, ah, that's terrible. Like I don't ever want to have that happen again. You know, I just don't mm -hmm. do it again. You gotta make mistakes to learn, right. To get better. So like, I wish I would have discovered it. Like I, I, I played disc golf for well over a decade before I ever died a disc. It, it's not that I didn't know about disc dying. It just, I wasn't an artist. I didn't think you could do that. And when I started, when I watched those differences doing it and something about the name of his channel, even, you know, like you can do this, you know, watch how he broke it down. And I'm like, I'm good at building stuff. I'm good at planning. I can break things down into steps and figure this out. I can do this. Okay. So then I realized that, yeah, I could do that. I could probably show other people how to do it, you know? So that, that would be always... my only thing is just do it longer and, I would probably not start selling my disc as soon either. I sold some that I kind of wish I could take back that like, I feel like you didn't get a very quality product. Cause I didn't know as much at the time, you know, I, you know, I, the difference is doing it is you got to do it. And I feel like if you wait, you're, you know, yeah. So if someone likes your discs and wants to buy it, that's up to them. If they like it and buy it, you, you yeah. can hate it, but if they like it, that's really that all that matters. And again, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, too. It's like you want to charge more for a disc because sometimes it's a work of art. But at the same time, if they're only paying 40 bucks for a disc, then, you know, you don't feel bad. Like no one's going to care that they're like, I wasted that $40. I can't believe it. I'll never live this down. I'll, I, won't, I won't sleep again. You know, no, they'll, they'll mm -hmm. be fine. You know, so we're going to get to know Jeff um, to see what he does and likes outside of disc dying. So your favorite faves. What is your favorite band or song? That is such a hard question to answer yeah. because I'm so eclectic. I'm so out there. I, uh, I'm definitely a big fan of rock music. I like just your average rock, your, your metal, your classic rock, all versions of rock. Um, but I also like a little bit of like rap, a little bit of country. It's just, I, I listen to all kinds of stuff. Um, 
big bands, big things, uh, Chili Peppers, Metallica, Iron Maiden, uh, Pink Floyd, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, John Mayer, Megadeth. I mean, I'm pretty much all over the place. I actually actually did that one time. I watched a Megadeth concert at a, at a venue. Uh, it's like a several bands, but Megadeth Headland. And uh, the very next day, I went there with my wife to see John Mayer. And upon talking, like buying a water, I made a comment about being there the night before, and it just shocked the vendor. He was like, "We had different clientele here last night." <laughs> well, get out and live a little, man. Experience it all. Yeah. What is your favorite food? Mm, kind of a toss-up between two. I, I love fish. I love sushi and fish in any kind of way, pretty much grilled, baked, whatever you know. Um, but it's also kind of a toss up between that and, uh, any kind of Mexican food, like Tex-Mex food. That's what I grew up on. That's kind of like, almost like my comfort food. That's the kind of food I cook all the time. So yeah, growing up, especially living in South Texas now, there's a lot more of it here even. So I was going to say that area lends itself to that type of food. So Mm -hmm. fantastic. Do you have a a favorite restaurant that you like to go to? Mm Hmm. Not necessarily. I mean, not anymore. Not that I'm like, I'm still kind of learning my, my way down mm-hmm. here. I mean, there's like some hole in the wall Mexican places up in Fort Worth that I love, but, and I have a sushi place, a couple sushi places up there. Blue sushi in Fort Worth is one of the most great places to go waste 150 bucks on a date mm-hmm. and have a great meal. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't go there often. <laughs> uh, yeah. A uh, couple different places, but what do you like to wash that food down with? So what is your favorite beverage? Mm, I drink a lot of iced tea. Like just being from the South, that's that's what I'm not a coffee drinker. I drink a lot of tea. That's probably my drink of choice most of the time. But mm. if we're talking like beverage, beverage, uh, I'm not a real beer, big beer drinker, but I'll drink it on occasion. And I like whiskey and rum. Whiskey is very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah. Do you like Dr. Pepper? Because I feel like that's pretty popular in that area. Uh, it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like a standard. Everybody has to drink Dr. Pepper <laughs> in Texas. You go to Whataburger and order a Dr. Pepper while you're there. Um, <laughs> I grew up around people that drank Dr. Pepper, and I do like it, but I have to like take a break from it. If I'm drinking soda, most of the time I'm drinking like Mountain Dew or Sunkiss. Those are my two cracks that I wish I didn't enjoy, but they're addictive. So, yeah. Yeah. What other hobbies do you have besides disc golf and disc dying? My passion in life is games of all kinds. So I, I guess I like to play video games, but it's not probably as much as you think. I really like card games, board games, things like that. Uh, like I said before, my friends and I played Magic. Um, a little tidbit about this channel or my company. Before it was Ninja Disc Golf, I was Nothrog Ninja. That's how I started off on Twitch TV as streaming uh, World of Warcraft <laughs> and and playing Magic Online also. Um, and Nothrog is a reference to another card game called Warlord Saga of the Storm, which is kind of like Dungeons and Dragons with cards. So, yeah, I like games of all kinds. So it's always been my thing. That's awesome and respect for you. I've never honestly got into games. Um, it's just another time-sucking hobby, and there's just so many other interests that I 
have that like I, I don't I don't have time for that. Yeah, these days it's I rarely have any time. The only game I play now you'll see on and I post it up on Instagram all the time is Disc Golf Valley, and I basically do that before I go to sleep every night. I play the <laughs> daily and then I go to bed. Like we're, we're right now between like custom dying and doing my day job, I don't really have time. I like it that way though. I, I wish that most more of my life I didn't waste on video games, especially probably the biggest time suck those other games felt like you know it felt like you got something back like my magic cards for example that was an investment i sold them to help pay for my wedding so you know i don't really That's regret crazy. that so what is your favorite course that you've ever played or favorite hole so if you look i don't know if you can see that behind me maybe i can adjust my camera that painting on the wall right there was done by uh, a team member of Lone Star Disc, local artist in, out of Houston, and that is a Bear Creek in uh, it's. I always say Irving. I don't think it's technically in Irving, Texas, but in that you know Dallas Fort Worth area, we used to play it all the time. Um, and that hole right there was like one of my favorite holes. You threw over a creek, and you kind of had to throw through the woods, obviously, and then it's like you had a on the other side of the creek, you could kind of skip it towards the goal and i i never aced it but i hit metal a couple times on that hole oh, wow. back in my early day but they closed it i want to say like seven years ago or something like that it, it was our favorite course we love playing it but um uh, i've had some others that i really enjoyed too but that was just i don't know one that we really my whole group we love playing that more than anything right now my favorite course is probably ingleside red and my that's a local one that i played league at do you have any courses on your bucket list that you really want to play? For sure. It's kind of funny. Um, I was in Massachusetts visiting people I used to know up there, right? And uh, at this point, I played disc golf back then. I didn't when I lived there. And I, I took my disc with me and I played a local course, but I had no idea at the time. I wasn't a big enough fan of disc golf to know that like Maple Hill was right down the road. And like I definitely, Maple Hill's on the bucket list. Um, uh, the one that they play in Finland, the one that Chandler did so good on, not the European Open, but the other one, um, or no, it's in Norway. Sorry, not Finland. I want to play that one. Um, where the final holes, like it's that elevated one built on the tractor. I don't know if you saw that or not. But uh, yeah, I did not. But it was the, like I said, it was the weekend before the uh, European Open this year. I forget, I forget what it's called, but it's yeah, it's in Norway. That's another one on my bucket list. There's a few. Have you ever played a, a course that's been on your bucket list yet? Not really. No, there's not that many really on the bucket list, but it kind of will just, I don't know. It's so weird to me because like I said before I played disc golf as a, as a, like a weekend warrior hobby, not really investing in learning about it for years. And it kind of really started in 2020 when we really started getting into it. And, Again, I think everybody says it, it comes back to the quarantine thing. That's how they got into it. It's a COVID ho hobby. But for me, we've been playing for years at that point. It's just that a lot of my friends got more into it at that time. They invested more time and effort into it. So that's when we started watching more pros and learning more about the sport. And since then, we've gone and done more def destination plays. But I, I don't one of the ones I wanted to play was Dogwood and my and Charles and Troy played, but they went and played the doubles championship at Texas States. And I didn't end up making it because I was just kind of embarrassed. They, they had to uh, 
go up a division to MA2 and I'm like, you guys are already like rated like 100 points higher than me. Those people are going to destroy me. <laughs> <laughs> I would consider myself not the greatest player, but it's still fun to play. Yeah, I, it's weird for me too. I, I'm so glad that I got into disc dying and that's kind of our joke around the thing. It's like, you guys, while y'all are getting good at, at disc golf, I'll get good <laughs> at disc dying. I'll become that expert. Y'all do your thing, I'll do mine because I'm not competitive like that. It's the same thing with even yeah. with disc dying. Like, I feel like nobody really really has noticed who I am because I don't get involved in those competitions and stuff. Just I don't know. I would, but I just haven't really been real inspired to go out and compete it's just something i love doing same thing with disc golf it was never really about a competition i just love playing so if you had to pick three discs to use for the rest of your life to play any course what would those three discs be so this is a shout out to to, to lone star because these you know a year ago these answers probably would have been different because i didn't really start bagging lone star at the beginning of this year but um I would need like an approach disc I could putt with because I need an approach disc. I can't really throw a putter. I'm, a, I'm an all sidearm guy and I don't sidearm putters very well forehand. Um, so I I use the harpoon a lot and I have putted with it. Um, I use the Victor two, which is like the putter plastic, which also floats in water, by the way, Lone Star Victor, which is like their putter plastic base gray, whatever you want to call it. It all floats in water. Great for death putts, you know? Um, but I would use the harpoon and then I would use an alpha ranger, which is like their kind of like a buzz or a hex. It's a straight mid range and then an alpha curl. Um, the reason I would need the curl is just for distance drives. When I do have an opening that I need to rip one 350, 400 feet, not that I really can throw that far, but I'm going to throw the curl further than any of my other discs. So I can usually get it about 300 or 320. Um, and as far as that ranger, I can throw it a lot of times as far as I can throw a lot of my fairways. So I think I'd be all right using that whenever I was in the woods or something. So I'm unfamiliar with those molds. What are the numbers on those molds? So the harpoon okay. is similar to like your zone or your harp. It's a four speed, mm -hmm. like, I think it's like a four, three, zero, two. So, and it's got, like I said, I would use like the grippy plastic, so it would be a really good approach disc. It would kind of stop, not ground play, and skip a lot. Um, the Ranger is like a buzz. It's 5-5, five, five, negative 1-1. One, one. And, yeah, that's just my go-to mid-range. I'll throw it off the tee a lot, too. Um, and the Curl is 11-speed. Uh, I think it's, it's either 5 or 6 glide, negative 1-2. So that's my understable. If I've got room, that's that's I, I I'm not real known for my distance on drives. I'm I'm accurate, but I'm not. I don't throw far. But if I'm gonna throw a distance driver, that's about the the beefiest I can handle. Anything over 11 speed, I don't really have the arm for it. So, you know, I feel like accuracy is way more important than eating the disc as far as you can go. Yeah. So, yeah, don't feel bad for that. Yeah, me and my friends talk about that all the time. I will go play some kind of tournament or rated round or just like a mini or something, and they'll, I'll come back and be like, I don't know why I kept getting greedy. I kept wanting to throw my curl off the tee because it's 320, and I might park it for a birdie when I know <laughs> I can throw a fairway straight down the middle and be have an easy par and possibly get a birdie if I got a you know a good putt. So I'm like, why do I always get greedy? If I just play smart, I, I do so much better. 
Yeah, because it looks cool if you can throw like 400 feet. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of throwing big distances, Dream Date. If you had to pick one pro player to hang out with, to play around with, and just chill, who would that be? So there's a lot of people I could choose. That's a, it was a really tough one for me to think about. Like I know some. I want to like, think someone's just immediately said Paul Macbeth, and definitely think he's the goat. And I would think he'd be awesome to play with, but I don't think that'd be my dream person because I, I don't think that our personalities would click as well. Like he's a very intense, somber guy when he's not somber, but just focused. You know, I don't think he'd be a real big conversationalist. Whereas I. As you can't tell from this interview, I'm talkative, and I would talk his ear off, and I'd want him to feedback. So I think I'd like to have like one of the Jomez guys. That'd be cool, like Ulibarri or uh, Big Germ. But I actually think my personality, I'd probably get along with Nate better than any of them. So I think I'd pick Nate Sexton. Plus, he's a awesome. he, he likes to throw forehands too a lot. You know, he's got he's got a dual arsenal, but he's a big forehand guy. So maybe he could help polish up my forehand a little bit and give me some backhand tips too. I find it fascinating that you're exclusively forehand. I've tried that. I suck at it, and I'm just exclusively backhand. And I wish I had a forehand because, boy, uh, doing a forehand type throw backhand sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I run into the same problem, though. I mean, not having a backhand, being able to do that right-to-left hole, it, I can I can throw some and some turnover shots, but you can't really get, a, like, a long distance and then turn left, you know, so... That's when I just lay up. I'm like, I'm just going to throw a mid-range right down the middle and then go throw my second shot the other direction. You know, that's kind of my strategy. I can sometimes go for it, but if I end up stalling and getting stable in the air and shanking right most of the time when I try to do long turnover shots. So, All right. So, Jeff, where can people find you at? So we are Ninja Disc Golf. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you just search Ninja Disc Golf. Awesome. Is there anybody uh, else that you wanted to plug or mention? For sure. Yeah, I'm definitely into the disc golf community. I want to give a shout-out to some people. Obviously, my sponsor, Lone Star Disc, um, they'll be sponsoring the tournament that I'll be doing. Should be. Uh, this is going to air on the 28th, so the day after on the 29th, we have a tournament called Fear of the Dark in Corpus Christi. Um, shout-out to Dialicious Disc because he lets me sell on his website. So... Most of the stuff I do, I kind of it's kind of like the running joke motto of our company is I'm ninja for hire. I just kind of do custom work mainly, custom requests. But when custom requests slow down and I just kind of die for fun and I want to sell them, I will list them on Dialicious Disc uh, storefront thing, artist page. Um, shout out to – I showed you guys earlier the painting was done by Aliart, which is uh, Alicia Graham. She's on our uh, team, disc, team Lone Star Disc also. Uh, Southern Lotus Charms. Uh, she's also uh, sponsoring the tournament with me. She's she does a lot of she does print work, uh, t-shirts, towels, anything you want printed stuff on. You know. Um, shout out to Ideal Disc and DFW Disc Golf Center in Fort Worth. Um, and Chain Bombers also in uh, the McKinney Dallas area. <clears throat> And locally, uh, just different people that I play with and organize tournaments with and stuff. Third Coast Disc Golf, uh, One Star Disc Golf, Golden Crescent Disc Golf, and Poistra Creek High Flyers Disc Golf. Awesome. Well, you rattled off a big list, but all those people are very important. So, again, go check them out. If you're local, go check them out or go check them out online. 
So Jeff is going to be raffling off a dyed disc. So you have an opportunity for $1 or more, but at least $1 to win an amazingly dyed disc. 100% of the proceeds will go back to Jeff. So if you want to help support a starving artist or just help him in general to be nice, um, go to dyersguild.co to find that raffle. The raffle will go live when this podcast goes launch and it will be uh, live for two weeks. So go check that out. Go check out his amazing disc that he died. And again, it's only $1. It's, it's stupid cheap. Why not? And uh, the proceeds go to a good cause. So, uh, Jeff, um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on. And I'm glad that you, handed up, you were on. And I, I definitely learned a lot of things. So um, I appreciate it. And thanks again. So uh, until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. <laughs>